Hey, so we're empty nesters of two boys, and I think we got a picture just to show you guys. We were at a wedding uh, a year ago, last May. Um, our youngest son got married to Hannah. She's the one in the middle, and three months ago, they delivered their first baby. So they had a honeymoon baby. It's our first grandbaby. So we need to update this and get you a picture of, of that little girl, because that's, that's really the whole story now. You don't, you don't care about any of that. So, um, Yeah. Yeah, we got married in 1984, and I changed uh, my last name to Green on St. Patrick's Day in 1984. So that's my favorite thing about getting married on St. Patrick's Day. Hey, when you see that picture, I know what you're wondering. Who is the guy that she married? Okay. And, man, I, I admit, there's been a little bit of problem, uh, you know, since then. But, hey, I'm smiling really big in that picture. All right. And you probably know why. If you're a guy in the room, you know why. The honeymoon is coming. You know, we made it through all the wedding stuff. It's now time uh, for the honeymoon, so we're super excited. And <clears throat> the start of my married sex life, however, would immediately hit a speed bump. So, yeah, so we got to Maui and headed down to the pool, and I just put oil on like I had done all my life. I'm from Miami, so beach girl. And what normally would have been a great sunburn turned into a, I mean, a suntan turned into a major sunburn. Yeah, this is the picture we found that most looked like what she looked like (laughs) after that. It it was really rough. Um, I had to rub aloe vera all over her body, but I could not touch her, if you know what I mean. Um, So after her fever broke, we had a great time, but it, it took a while. So, you know, our only claims to fame, really, I'm a graduate of the Fighting Texas Aggie class of 1982. Woo! Oh, well, let's come on. <laughs> um, now, for four years, Linda held the career free throw percentage record at the University of Louisiana in Monroe. So she's a minor celebrity, y'all. It's big, big time. So, man, it's our privilege to serve here on the marriage ministry at Watermark. Um, and we're, we do have been seeing more and more couples that are just struggling in the area of um, physical intimacy. So we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Um, we know it can be area, an area of pain. Just know that you can find healing. And so tonight, <clears throat> we're going to talk about one specific scenario that is encountered by many couples at some point in your journey. Um, and that's where one spouse has a higher sex drive than the other spouse. All right, so we'll start by sharing our own story and then tell you some things that have helped us. So I grew up in a Christian home and came to know to a saving faith in Jesus when I was nine. My parents modeled love and affection towards each other and taught me that sex was God's gift and his design for couples to enjoy in marriage. I never got the official sex talk, though, because... They probably felt like I understood everything because I had walked in on them when I was six. And so my little brother was born nine months later. So so I belonged to Jesus, but I had a rebellious heart and spent the first 22 years of my life pursuing the things of this world, especially in my college days where my poor choices led to inappropriate relationships, a lot of heartache, guilt, and shame. But God, in his mercy, pursued me through it all and turned my heart back to him um, at age 22. He put a new desire in my heart um, that, to walk in his ways. And um, God has declared me blameless because of Christ's shed blood on the cross covers all my sins. And although I battled um, thoughts of guilt and shame over the years, I was able to fight that battle with truth 
that I am forgiven, that I am a precious daughter of the King who delights in me and loves me with unfailing love. And so by his grace, I was able to go into marriage, experiencing freedom in the area of sex. So I just want to encourage you that we just have a God who restores, he redeems, and he rescues, and he's able to do so much more than we could ever imagine or hope. So we are going to talk about physical intimacy tonight, y'all. So if that's uncomfortable to you, now would be the time to get up and leave, okay? So I also placed my faith in Jesus at an early age, and I remained a virgin until we married. I had plenty of sexual promiscuity, especially in, especially in high school, and I learned about sex primarily from the culture. So in church we were at, we were really taught to stay away from sex. Only bad things can happen, you know, uh, until you get married. So as a firstborn, um, you know, I complied Um, But it was a daily struggle against hormones, um, and that often resulted in masturbation. I couldn't wait to have, you know, legal sex, but I was not really looking to get married until I met Linda in 1982. And after she beat me in a free-throw shooting contest, I knew she was the one uh, for me. So we married 18 months after meeting. So this kicked off uh, phase one in our sex drive story. Now, to be honest with you, this talk started on a napkin at a restaurant. We started drawing on this napkin, kind of a picture of our journey, and you're going to see it in this chart. It may be a little corny, but we, kind of, it, we think it helps just convey the story. Okay, so the pink line, of course, depicts my sex drive, and the blue line, Robert. So during phase one, we had a robust sex life um, where our desires were in sync. And as young marrieds, we were in a church where he said that sex was never really talked about. And so our own experiences were our guide. And we were having fun. You know, we did not realize that this was an area where a lot of um, couples um, struggle. Until 2008, when we entered phase two. So, this is when menopause hit. And I was not sure what was going on. I couldn't sleep. Couldn't think, I had no energy, and my sex drive plummeted, just completely disappeared. I didn't know how to handle it. I was scared, didn't want to hurt Robert, didn't know how to talk to him about it. And so instead of talking to him about it, I just tried to avoid situations that might trigger his desire, like changing clothes in front of him. It does not take much, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) So I started working with my doctor and trying different natural remedies, but nothing seemed to be working or helping. And then it felt like my whole world came crashing down um, when my dad suddenly had a heart attack. I was really close to him, his only daughter, born on his birthday, and I found myself overwhelmed with grief while dealing with all the menopause stuff. Yeah, so during this time, Linda was, you know, sometimes avoiding me, which made her feel bad. Um, And I didn't really know why, neither did she. Uh, We were not quite sure what to do, so I started just adjusting my expectations. And while I was frustrated by it, I knew that she was grieving the loss of her dad, and I was hoping that she would just snap out of it. So I hit 50 during this phase and started seeing some of the effects of midlife, including a decrease in my own sex drive. So in some respects, that was a blessing because it kind of helped me um, lower my expectations just regarding frequency. Um, But to be clear, I mean, during phase two, we were not in a desert. I mean, there were plenty of times of passion, just not the frequency um, we once enjoyed. You know, for example, on our 25th anniversary, we had a really fun time in car number 23 on the mile-long Whistler gondola up in... So Canada will never be the same uh, after that. (laughs) 
had no idea when I took that picture we would be showing it to the world. So. <laughs> so, but the good thing was we skipped car 22 because that, that was the glass bottom car. So that was a good thing. <laughs> we've get, hey, we've given this talk a couple of times and um, one guy came up afterwards and he wanted to know, well, I said, I got to know, how long is the ride? <laughs> and I said, well, it's 11 minutes. So we had plenty of time for sightseeing, you know? <laughs> and it's funny because when we share this, we've had some people send us, send us pictures of stuff. And here's a couple of pictures on the left. The, these, one couple made a Christmas ornament of, <laughs> of car 23. Now, on the right, this was from down in Houston uh, at the end of last year. Some guy found an old Astro World car. Um, that you could get uh, off like Facebook Marketplace. If I had $2,300, I would go buy that. Um, so we just get all these funny things that people, you know, send us just because uh, people just kind of resonate a little bit, you know, with, with the story. So, <laughs> Okay, so a couple of things happened in 2010 that led us to phase three. And first I decided to try bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And after trying some different options and things, I found a combination that worked in wonders for my energy and sex drive, as you can tell. You can see from the chart that every time I receive a treatment, which is a few times a year, it has an immediate impact on my sex drive. And then the second thing, and really important, was I attended a Bible study program here called Equip Disciple. And that taught me how to memorize scripture and meditate on God's word and pray and journal. And that helped me grow a lot in my dependence on the Lord during this time, which is really critical because when our sex drives flipped, there were occasions when Robert didn't seem to desire me. And that would start these lies going in my head that I would be undesirable and I would question my body image and getting older and all that kind of stuff. But because of my time in God's word, I had the tools to fight against those lies and with his truth that I am made in his image, that um, I am loved and that um, we are his masterpiece. So I could fight against those lies. Yeah. So today, I mean, I can tell you all honesty, our sex life is better than ever. And there are times when we're not as in sync as we once were. But because we've each had seasons where we've been on the high and the low side in terms of sex drive, we just better understand each other um, and have more compassion for each other. And so what we'd like to do is just share with you four things that we learned through this journey. These were helpful to us, um, and we've seen these be helpful to others. And we believe whether you're age 27, 47, or 67, um, we think these four things are going to apply to you. So um, the first thing we want to talk about is just to communicate, okay? And we had to learn how to talk about this, and so must you. And, I, man, I totally get how, how awkward this can be for many of us to talk about this subject. Um, but it is important, and, I mean, it is really important. If you personally are struggling in the area of sex, you need to let your spouse in, even if you do not, don't know what was happening, which is often our case it will be helpful to let your spouse into your struggle. Um, by not discussing it, you just open the door to misunderstandings, you know, between you. Um, and you actually deny your spouse the opportunity to love you if you keep it to yourself. You know, Galatians 6.2 tells us to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. 
Yeah, so a lot of times when Robert would want to talk about this topic, you know, it, w- it was kind of hard for me. And a lot of times I would take things personally from insecurities and things like that. Um, so it's just important. I had to learn that it was important to discuss it with him. And, you know, when your spouse wants to come and talk about stuff with you, to learn to listen compassionately and with an open mind and try to hear their point of view. It just surprised us how often um, one of us would be reluctant to discuss it, but then when we would start talking about it, we would find out the other one was thinking the exact same thing. And so the more we talked about it, the easier it got each time. We've also learned that as awkward as it is, and it's really awkward for me, it's important to communicate what you like sexually. That was really hard for me. Um, I felt like I was being selfish, but Robert helped me understand that I, it wasn't being selfish, that it was so important for him to want to please me. And so in a marriage where both spouses are focused on serving each other, this is actually the way to love each other. Yeah. So point number two, don't pressure. So this point is primarily for the spouse with the higher drive. So when Linda hit menopause and her desire changed dramatically, I quickly learned that pressuring her for sex was not a good idea. You know, a lot of times I would just try to ask nicely. I would say something like, hey, feeling frisky today? Um, But that would often make her feel guilty and put a whole damper on the evening. And here's another pro tip. If she's crying, you know, again, trying to get over the loss of her dad, and you're comforting her, don't try to turn that into a sexual encounter. It doesn't go well for you. So um, look at Paul's words in Philippians 2. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So we are called to mutually serve each other. So pressuring your spouse to meet your needs is not serving them. We found a better way is just to go back to numbers, uh, number one and just discuss this in a way that honors your spouse. Yeah, so there were times when I would find myself frustrated for whatever reason. And that's when I learned that expressing those frustrations to the Lord and asking him to change my heart allowed him to work, and it made a big difference. I found that my focus would change off of me and away from my needs. And one of the things that helped me a lot was trying to see things the situation through Robert's eyes. And so think for a moment that about your, what you would do if your sex drives flipped. If you became the one on the low side, would you be encouraged if your spouse related to you the way that you're relating to them now? And if not, what can you do to change that? Yeah. Okay. Point number three, don't withhold. Okay. So this is primarily for the spouse with the lower drive. So this is the spouse that is in the position of power. Um, When my desire is lower, guess what? I control the frequency with which we have sex. So how is a Christian who's in a position of power supposed to act towards those uh, under them? So consider the words of Jesus in Mark 10. It says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So I am to serve if I'm in the position of power, and that includes my spouse. Remember, your spouse does not have uh, another sexual outlet. You are it. So some spouses um, we've found just don't understand, um, you know, how much of a physical need sex is for their spouse. 
And this is kind of a long passage, but man, we've just seen this be super helpful to people. They didn't know this First Corinthians verse was even in the Bible. And it says the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. So don't deprive each other sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Yeah, so when we marry, we give our bodies as a gift to our spouse, and it's just really important that we don't take that gift back, even when the demands of life get hard. You could be, you know, when you're worn out from working all day or caring for elderly parents, we've been through that season. And when I was exhausted from nursing babies and caring for toddlers and then some crazy teenage years with our boys, um, and then the craziness of menopause, sex was usually the last thing on my mind, and, but that's where sex starts. So um, scripture has really helped me to change my thinking. When the negative thoughts come in my mind, you know, and I don't want, I'm not in the mood to have sex, I um, apply 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I've learned that when I surrender that thought to the Lord, he replaced it with the desire for me to serve my spouse. I had to choose to change my attitude and give unselfishly and allow God to work that change. Then I was able to focus on ways to make sex work, and so, which means sometimes you might need to get creative. Okay, so for example, <laughs> scheduling a time for sex. We're old now, we do that a lot. So a quickie works great, though. <laughs> and then if intercourse is not an option, there are plenty of other ways to pleasure your spouse. <laughs> Well, and if you're not sure what some of those might be, your re-engaged leaders are experts in this area. <laughs> what, I've, what I've heard is that the open group leaders in particular know a lot about this. So you need to lean into that uh, tonight. Oh. All right. So number four, the last thing is just to share. Okay. If you're struggling... It is wise to bring others into the conversation, and this can be very difficult. Look, it's hard enough to share with your spouse, right, on this topic, much less others. So here, the first place would normally be with your small group members, guys with guys and gals with gals. Let them be the ones to help you decide the next steps to take. You know, if you're not in a small group, you know, in your church, um, you know, then re-engage a group is a great place to start. So grab your leader, your leaders, and, um, you know, start talking through this. Proverbs fifteen twenty two tells us, plans fail for lack of a counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. It's going to be super helpful to have other people around you because this topic can get very complicated. Yeah. So our sexual desire can be just affected in, in a lot of ways. And sometimes there's physical pain involved. And that needs definitely to be shared with the doctor, and there could also be other medical issues, so um, medical professionals can help with that. But for me, hormone replacement therapy obviously made a huge difference. The other thing is it could be something spiritual, because our spiritual lives are so closely tied to our sex life. And so the question to ask is, are you trusting the Lord with everything, including your sex life? And as you share this struggle with your group, ask them if they see any areas of your life where you could be struggling 
to submit and trust the Lord. And the other thing is this sexual abuse is part of your story. There are ministries that can help you and your leaders want to help you with this. We don't want you to suffer in silence. So um, just speak up and talk to your leaders about that. Also, if, if you're involved in porn, we are begging you to he- seek help for that because it will just impact your intimacy greatly. Yeah, so just to summarize what we said, you know, it's communicate, don't pressure, don't withhold, and share. And nobody likes a bunch of don'ts, so we just collapse this down to say, look, communicate, serve, and share. So we want to be crystal clear about one thing. You should leave here uh, tonight with a desire to better serve your spouse. Guys, if all you heard is that your wife should not withhold sex, you've missed the point, okay? Gals, if all you heard tonight is that your husband should stop pressuring you for sex, you have missed the point. Um, You must talk about this and come to a place where you're serving each other. Man, that is the way to freedom in this area. And please understand, and if you make some changes, you know, maybe based on what you heard tonight, things do not improve immediately, just don't be discouraged. This is going to take some time. That's why you need some friends around you to help encourage you on this journey. I mean, God has given us this incredible gift uh, of sex. If there's any doubt, I mean, he gave us the whole book of the Bible, you know, Song of Solomon, um, that, that delves into this topic. Yeah. We also, you can also visit the Reengage website to find some really helpful resources. Um, one of those resources mentioned on is, is a book called Intimate Issues by Linda Dillo and Elaine Pentis. And it is just, it's a book that I've gone through with women, and it, it's my absolute favorite book because it talks about putting your mind and on the Lord and what the Lord says about it and changing your thinking and replacing lies with truth. And so I just highly recommend it. So, look, we know in a crowd of this size, there's bound to be some couples that you're, you're struggling in your relationship, much less in the area of physical intimacy. And maybe just the thought of sex is nowhere uh, near your mind tonight. So don't feel any pressure like to leave here tonight and have sex or act like you have it all together in this area. We just encourage you, man, get started talking about it. And if you want some help navigating, navigating how to talk to your spouse about it man, or have questions, you know, all kidding aside, your leaders would love to help. So thank you for letting us share tonight, y'all.